Three, two, one, and uh, we're live. Everyone, welcome back to Let's Take This Online with me, Digital Hoots. Uh, super early morning podcast today, but we're trying to be as productive as we can on a Saturday. Today we have uh, Nelio Leon, I say it correctly, who I reached out to on LinkedIn because his profile looks super cool. He's worked with some of the, probably some of the most innovative, probably disrupt, disruptive, you think you put in air quotes that way, brands in, in the UAE and the Middle East. One being Kareem, which obviously everyone knows, and the other one being Washman, which is, I've used it before, awesome, awesome company. I really enjoy using it. So I want to I wanna get into it. I purposely don't know anything about them because I want to learn as we go along. So thanks for being here. Thank you. Oh, man, it's, I really appreciate it, man, especially you coming early. I know you're super busy. Uh, I'm having, I always like to start out with a segment with all my guests, and I think it's, it's been really enjoyable for me. I like to understand what you studied. I want to know you studied university. So I actually I started with the marketing. So I okay. had like a BA in uh, business, uh, both from Rome and Montreal. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Then um, just after that, I started working basically uh, in Paris. All right, fine. Did you ever live in Montreal? Yeah, I did my my BA there. And then you my... went to Rome. Then yeah, then okay. I went to Rome, and then from Rome I went to Paris. Actually, I met my wife. In Rome, and okay, then that's how I moved to Paris. Yeah. Oh, uh, so where are you originally from? I'm from Italy. Oh, right. Yeah. Where, where about in Italy? Uh, I'm from Napoli, from the south okay, wow. of Italy. It's very close to Rome. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so in Montreal, you got your BA, and then you got another BA. Uh, yeah. Basically, it's like a double bachelor degree. Oh, never in, heard of that. In business, it's basically you do like uh, half of the program in Rome, half of the program in Montreal. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Did you enjoy Canada? Or yeah. it's too cold. Yeah, I mean, I really like Montreal. The problem was like the weather. Yeah, it must it's be freezing. Really, really, really tough. Arco, <laughs> so what? Where do you start working right after? So now you're you have your BA in marketing and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah, so then after I moved back to Paris, mm. actually I moved back to Rome first. Yeah. Then there I met like a beautiful lady that then became my wife. Fair enough. Um and yeah, just um she was telling me, well, I need to finish my studies in uh, in Paris, so. Um, so but you, do you want to tag along and try to like do something there? And I said, yeah, let's do it. And I went there, I found my first internship in, um, in, uh, in, da in Davidoff. Okay. Um, as a brand manager, assistant, whatever that is. Oh, you jumped basically straight to client side basically. Yeah. How did you find it? How was yeah, it was cool. I love, yeah, the, the first, like the first internship was amazing, especially because in Paris, um, the company was really located in the center of Paris. Mm. So in the morning, imagine I would have like this kind of really, really cool experience where basically I would like ride a bike from my apartment going through the Louvre and all these mm. like really picturesque uh, places. And then I would just go into the office. It was like really amazing. Like really, that's pretty cool. Yeah, man. pretty cool experience. Uh, what year was this? Early two thousands. Uh, two thousand. I think it's two thousand nine or two thousand eight. Yeah. So right at the rise of digital, really. Yeah. yeah were, was, were you exposed to it, like the digital? Oh, no, not okay. at all. Like, um, it was something like fairly new. Nobody really like was um, um was doing much back then. Mm. Um. I'm just telling you that the this is when like the first iPhones really came in yeah. like and they became really big. That's when that was exactly the moment. Yeah. And I was always like super attracted by by this uh, new back then they used to call it like new technologies. Yeah. It's like new technology was like was like the iPhone is a new technology and the that internet was like, the buzzword of the like time. yeah, the buzzword of the time was like new technology. And I was like really interested into it. I was super intrigued, but I was never really exposed to it. Mm. Um, so you're purely focused on like that brand marketing side. Brand marketing side. So it was all marketing. BTL, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. all okay. of that. Okay. And uh, what happened then after um, David after Davidoff, I finished my internship, and that's when another luxury house started like um, contacting me. Said, "Yeah, we were the guys from Chanel." Um, your profile looks interesting. Do you want to join? Um, I joined Chanel as a um, as a product manager, manager okay. or whatever that like brand manager. Um, back then, I did um, uh, I did like a uh, how do you say like um, uh, contract? Yeah, contract yeah. there. And then after that, L'Oreal called me. They said, "Hey, do you want to join? We have this really cool division." 
we're pretty much starting like it's it feels like a startup kind of mm. because it's very um it's very entrepreneurial uh you get to open like a lot of countries it's okay. like everything needs to be developed and uh, your profile looks really good for this do you want to join in um so that's what i did i just like then i started in l'oreal i, I spent there like three years i think three or four what countries years. Was, it, was it was it like was it middle east kind of was that where they were so no at the beginning i started like international marketing called okay. like uh dmi okay fine and then what happened is that given the fact that i spoke like different languages and that i was exposed to different cultures and whatever they put me on latin america Okay. Interesting. So yeah, it was really interesting because then back then we used to like we had to uh, open new countries in Latin America or potentialize like different countries in Latin in Latin America, and then that's when they decided to open a new um, set of countries in the Middle East. Mm. Back then there were just like a couple of countries. It was like very uh, it was not managed because there was no one managing it. Yeah. And they brought like one really cool. Uh, these like super MDs from Latin America who developed like the whole uh, division in Latin America for like years and whatever, and um, to pretty much work on uh, on uh, Middle East and Africa, and then that's when they said, hey, you, I thought you kind of spoke Arabic or you were like exposed to it, etc. Do you wanna go on Middle East and Africa? I said, yeah, and that was cool because back then I was just already reporting to the MD directly, okay, and uh, which was pretty cool that's very cool because yeah. uh people generally wait for like years and years and years to get to that level for sure and i was like kind of like hacked it kind of like you know yeah. kind of find a shortcut and i bonded really well with this guy uh he was like super fun guy did you uh, hang out like after work stuff like that uh, yeah i mean we we became like actually like really friend like because oh, okay. we had to build everything from scratch and that was my first time i really uh felt that super entrepreneurial vibe where we basically started like traveling together to these countries, finding mm. the GMs, uh, building the subsidiary, uh, getting the frameworks and all the playbooks. And it was like super exciting because yeah. imagine like uh, I was kind of junior. I mean, it was my what my my third position. Like, yeah. so that's with internships, too. Yeah, with internship, too. So it was actually, yeah, it was uh, actually it was my third position without internship. Okay. But um, what was really cool is that like you know, then you get exposed to like really the strategic thinking of, of the whole company. Um, and then at some point we realized that there was like a huge potential in Saudi Arabia and mm. that it was completely untapped. What and, year was this? Uh, 2000, I think 2012, okay, something fine. like this, yeah. So 2012, 2013, um, they, like, uh, the guy, like this guy told me, Nelio, you like this entrepreneurial thing or whatever. You always claim that you want to do entrepreneurial stuff. Now there's Saudi Arabia. Mm. Go get it. Just like go there, build like they. You used to have a wholesaler, okay. but then we had to kind of lorealize the wholesaler. Okay. Um, like a distributor, basically. The you, distributor. You send, them, you send them the products, and they distribute. Yeah. To, to so whatever. and we had to turn this distributor into subsidiary. Okay. And that was like a lot of work because... Yeah, it must, must have been easy. Yeah, yeah, because you need to build like the whole marketing team, the whole marketing sure. frameworks. Um, and that's that's where I landed in the Middle East. I Then I was like based in uh, Jeddah. Um, and I came here to Dubai because my wife was actually... She moved here to for us to actually be together. Mm. And, um, and yeah, and that was like a hell of an adventure. I loved my experience in Saudi Arabia because... As a Western, for me, everything was exotic. So people say, especially here in the region, they say, oh, Saudi, oh my God, it's so different and it's so conservative and whatever that is. Uh, I honestly had the time of my life there. Interesting. Like, it was really cool. Met a lot of amazing people, very small communities. Um, yeah, so I I, I found it I like, my, at some point I found my life in Jeddah was much, much cooler than my life in Paris. And I was like, whoa. This Interesting. <laughs> But you can't bike around the Louvre. In the South. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. You can bike. Yeah, there's no Louvre, and you cannot bike. But uh, you can do a lot of other stuff. Like I remember in Jeddah, we used to go uh, um, like rent a boat and then go scuba diving in the Red Sea. There was like literally no one, so you had like all these coral reefs, etc., yeah, just for cool. you. Like it wasn't. It, it had like a real like a lot of perks, to be honest. I'm sure it is. I want to talk about how you work with that distributor because I'm sure because when you work with a distributor that has the person or the company has a distributor mindset yeah they don't have a subsidiary mindset they yeah. don't have like we're running a company they're thinking about take product a 
put it in shop A B C D yeah. and take product and then that. So how did you kind of have to change? I'm sure you had to work on a lot of the mindset there. How did you go about it? Yeah, so it was like a, like it was a lot of struggle uh, okay. to be honest because um of course you're kind of like this uh young guy coming from the French headquarters with like all these big uh bosses kind of um push. So I didn't want to I don't I didn't want the team there to feel that I was this kind of like alien mm. that was parachuted there to to really make hard changes mm. and all of a sudden. So I was kind of very smooth with it. So the, the way we the way I, we did it is like basically, um, and back then I researched a lot on how to change mindset. And there's mm. actually this like uh, change framework. I think like either McKinsey company or whatever, use it all the time, where basically, first of all, you need to tell a story. Then second, you need to, um, you need to uh, create... Um, like access uh so you need to reinforce this with testimonials like with mm. the with the examples okay the third part is that you need to give more and more skills or access or whatever you can for them to do it and then the the the, the fourth part is that you need to reinforce consistently the story mm. and so that's pretty much what i try to do so i try to be super super like okay tell a story this if we do this you guys are going to see like a major change, especially in sales. The 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 retailers are going to be happy. You're going to be happy. So I told like this story that if we started doing marketing, then that's where you would see like a dramatic change. Mm-hmm. And the first time we actually started doing it, I remember there was a launch of a whatever, of a, of a skincare um, product. And we did the first marketing campaign. It was just not like putting products into the, into the, into like the doors. Mm. It was pretty much like creating like an animation in store and all of that. And that's when we saw like the highest growth over the past seven years. Oh, wow. So that's when, you know, like that's what, then it was an easy story to sell. And then once. That's a great case study. Yeah. It was like, it was really like, it was a real cool, like, situation to be in because that was like i think uh four or five months in the job so i was like guys i told you this thing works and they're like oh yeah so then they started like understanding this then after like mm, we tried to find um other examples within like you know l'oreal or whatever by sharing okay you see for instance this guy in uh, uh that had like a similar situation so uh this guy in Central America, which is like also very distributor led. Mm. Look, they're doing like now marketing. They're doing the same thing too. And this thing is it's working. So it this reinforced. And you saw that other GMs or other like people in uh, the company on other markets were doing the same. So then it started like to tick in their head. And that's when they gave me like a lot more, a lot more room mm. to play. And um, yeah, it was, it was really cool. Then... Um, I stayed there for like almost two yeah almost three years like two years and something and like uh, 2015 huh like around 2015 uh, yeah 2004 end of 2014 something like this okay and what happened then is that um is that yeah actually then what I really realized is that there was something that I realized that I didn't really like about corporate and stuff mm. was like man like right now I'm in the most entrepreneurial setup that this company could ever, ever give me. Yeah. Like, there's no way that this company will ever give me uh, an experience that is more rock and roll than this, based on what I like. Yeah. So they were telling me, like, yeah, Nelio, so, like, now the plan is that um, maybe you should go back to Paris. Uh, we can find you, like, a better position there. And, like, that would be the natural transition to then, like, go more into, like... Yeah, that's the standard client-side progression, yeah? Exactly. So, but then I was like, man, like, you know, yeah, it's going to be fun. I mean, still, it's going to be a lot of fun because back then they were talking about going back to Paris and travel retail, which was, like, the segment that was growing, the fastest-growing segment. Mm. And it was really cool because it was, like, how to build brands inside airports. Which is like something that I was kind of looking forward to it. But then at a conference, uh, I was really out of curiosity. I went, I think, to Startup Grind or something like something. It like was in, in, Dubai. in Dubai. Okay. And it was like very small room. 
looked very like you know back then it looked very amaterial um this is before the boom of startups yeah, yeah it was like really like super small community um back then the big names were like marca vip yeah. and uh, all of these guys and like nam she were like really the startup uh before the acquisition uh from imar and so what i felt is like i met this guy it was just this guy talking and it was this pakistani guy and that went to stanford that has had done mckinsey that like you know did so like talked about so much uh it was super inspiring to be honest like yeah. he was really going deep into something that i was i never heard about which was like okay how do we build an institution how mm. do we create something that this region has never seen before mm-hmm. and um, how do we create like you know how do we create it's not just like an app i didn't he was telling like i'm i didn't leave my consultant super high paid job to build something that is small and that is just like you know another app on the market no we're here to build an institution that inspires and that mm-hmm. drives people towards something completely different yeah and i was like wow like this guy really like so i said like i researched this karim yeah and like back then they didn't even have a website or they had like a really really scruffy website uh couldn't find a lot about them uh so through personal connection i said like hey i really want to get in touch with these guys and i got in touch with the i got in touch with um with mudasir back then it was like yeah actually we're looking for um for a marketing guy and then um um you should come and just visit us to the office and that's what i did so i went i visit i visit the office and then i met with him and um i remember back then what was really cool is that so he was talking about changing the middle east changing like the perception they wanted to create the first harvard's business case study of the region hmm. um and while he was saying this and it was really funny because the office was such a damp that the wallpaper behind his shoulder was like peeling. was peeling and i was like i felt that what he was saying was real and then when i, when I look at that i was like like mm. man like you know okay but is this thing really gonna go anywhere anytime soon yeah and um, then I talked to Tarek Sanad, now is like the CFO of Fetcher. And um, Tarek, we talked and Tarek said, hey, like, yeah, you should join. This place is really super exciting. Just come over um, because back then they couldn't really pay big salaries. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I was like, my package with the expat package or whatever is kind of really high. Yeah. So it was like, man, don't take a decision now. Come over. Um, just check this place take a week off or whatever from your job and then check if you if you like working here or not and then you take it from there and Fair. then that's what i did i just like took some time off i think like a couple of days off or whatever um i went working in the office and next thing i knew i just like left my my resignation yeah and my boss back in paris like man why are you leaving this like there's a plan. You got a, great, you got a great thing going. There's a great thing going. I mean, why are you leaving for a random startup in a random building out of Dubai? I mean, yeah. uh, think this through, right? And I was like, no, I'm super excited. Like, I was so convinced back then because, because man, like, I, like, you have to see that place. It was like something. It felt like you uncovered like a really underground spot that is gonna go somewhere. <laughs> Why? Because there were so many smart people. It was like a beehive. Everybody was like on steroids, always like jumping. And yeah. and back then the team was like, what, 15, 20 people? Yeah. And, um, and it was super cool because being exposed to so many like smart people and also like this whole new thing about tech, which back then was like, man, I, like we're talking about what, five years ago? Or like four years or five years ago? Man, it was like, it was not what it is now. You didn't have the resources you mm-hmm. have now. Uh, you didn't have like the exposure you have it now so it was like I don't know it felt like being yeah. uh, it felt like discovering hip hop before the 90s you yeah. know it's just it really <laughs> felt like something and I was like no I'm not like I was lucky enough to to find something like I was lucky enough I'm not gonna I'm really gonna latch onto it mm. to see where this is all gonna go fair enough don't you feel 
which is really interesting. Even though we talk about those times, it feels like we're talking about like a hundred years ago. It's five years. Yeah. But so much has changed in such a short period, especially in the GCC, especially in Dubai. Yeah. It's been crazy. So when you look back, you're like five years. Because I 2014, I was already in agencies. Mm. I was already in agencies here in Dubai. And I just... I think digital advertising kind of took off in 2012, 2013, when it really took off with programmatic. And then the changes between now and and then, it's been, what, four or five years? And I think about it, and the, between the tech, the understanding of the, of, the, of the technology, the way we've shifted, you're like, wow, so much, so much has happened in four or five years that you feel like that was like hundreds of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So what what was your main thing? What were we trying to do with in, in Cream? Just grow it? I was like the first marketing guy. So okay, back fine. then, uh, there was not even something called growth. Yeah. Uh, it was basically just, hey, we need marketing. Yeah. Um, so you've done marketing at L'Oreal. You seem to done pretty like good stuff. Yeah. Just do marketing. Okay. And I was like, yeah, okay. And me coming from... Um, from uh, from L'Oreal and from Chanel and all of that. Where everything's like very established, very structured kind of thing. Very right? structured, but like what I really valued a lot there, like the experience in L'Oreal and Chanel and all of that is like basically the brand value. Like mm, we were name. obsessed with the brand, like especially in the headquarters. This mm. is probably something that you don't feel that much in the subsidiary, but in the headquarters, you had guys that, you know, were like obsessed with the brand. Like, mm. That even internal, even the presentation, everything had to be on brand. Even people were on brand. Mm. So it was like it's a it was a way of like you know it's like it, it really you felt you lived you you like you could qualify people if they were on brand or not. That's how it far oh, wow. it went. And um, and uh, that's the first thing I saw. I saw like I sat down with the, with the guys back then, and they were like. Back then, there was like this uh, kind of um, motto or um, kind of dogma mm. from Silicon Valley where basically, yeah, everything has to be pro uh, like uh, growth has to be product led. So we're going to grow through product. I was like, OK, what does that mean? It's like, yeah, we're going to build like a product that is more um, like it's more attuned and it's more customer centric. It's more based on the customer need of the region. And that's how we're going to grow. And then that's when I realized like, man. They're fucking less. Mm. Like, this is like this is like not gonna grow through product. I mean, product can only do so much. Yeah. Because like, if you think, and I thought about this, and I, uh, I said like, switching from Karim to Uber is like a radio button. There's literally no switching cost. Yeah. In terms of product, we can't really compete on Uber with product because back then Uber, Uber was very established. Yeah, it was it was established and it was a bloodbath between mm. us and them. Mm. And you cannot compete against Uber on product because you're talking of like the best product manager and the best engineer sitting in the cradle of tech mm. in Silicon Valley and you're talking about like a 100 of them. So they outnumbered us and us we had like Bob and uh, another couple of guys. Mm. Which were like very good, but you know they like you can't they could not compete with like a hundred engineers and product managers in the cradle of tech mm. in sitting in Silicon Valley. Yeah. So I said like I said no. Product is not, not the way to go. This is not going to be product, or mm. at least product is going to be just part of it, but it's going to be part of the mix. This is a brand problematic. Mm. Like we are going to grow through brand. And how we're gonna grow through brand is basically by PR stunts. We're gonna we're gonna grow by uh, creating like a whole story that we're gonna pitch to people here that we are like this homegrown. We are uh, we are the en local entrepreneurs that don't take the international alternative. Take something that stands for the re this region that is from this region to this region, mm. and uh, and build your homegrown entrepreneurs that okay. was like the the message and um at the beginning they didn't really listen to that that much so it's like yeah but maybe like all this like brand thing is mainly for like big corporates as like maybe for coca-cola but mm. like us we're just a tech company we're a startup what do you talk what, why are you talking about brands like and then that's when i realized that and with time now after like five six years into like tech and having consulted more than 120 entrepreneurs right now i realize it more and more that actually know that brand especially with the digital landscape you can build like an mvp of brand yeah. and a minimum viable product that still does the job really well 
And it's better having this than not having anything at all. Sure. Where, because when we did not have a brand at, uh, at Karim, I remember the beginning. It's like, so we would start trying to understand how to build a brand. And we had like agencies or we had like uh, designers or marketers or external partners that like, Karim, oh yeah, you guys are like the, uh, yeah, the kind of local Uber. Yeah, mm. like, you know, the kind of uh, uh, guys trying hard to be cool yeah. or trying hard to be uh, like Uber. You're like the copycats, you mm. know, like, and it felt like so demoralizing because you had like, designers or agencies or potential partners turning you down because of because we were the the kind of uh amaterial mm. uh, underdogish you know i understand yeah. and we turned that into a force into the brand story into the brand pitch like we are the underdogs so mm. what yeah and all of our campaigns uh that we started like this whole like gorilla marketing uh was all about being the underdog against uber yeah so yeah it was um and how long did you stay over there at Kareem? Um, two years and something. All right, cool. So I went from like 20 uh, employees to uh, pretty much like we're almost like 2,000 or something around like yeah, across the now. network. Huh? It's a big team now. Oh, yeah. Now yeah. it's like, yeah. I, I remember when I first was there, we were like in seven cities. Now I think they're more like 100 and something, 140 or something. Yeah, I remember the day I even switched. I remember... The biggest reason I, I I don't know if this is this was your idea or someone else's. To be honest, is the day they partnered with Emirates and I started getting and you start getting Emirates Skyward points with oh. Kareem. That's the day when I'm like, okay, I'm, that makes a lot of sense to me. Oh, why, yeah. It's like riding and I'm getting miles. That make why would I not do that? Yeah. yeah. Were you there during that the, during that move or no? Was that no no no? Was, no. Was I, that was time? like the partnership team. Oh, okay, fine. So okay, there fine. was like a team that was like very very um, focused on building partnerships. Yeah. And we grew massively by three things. Basically, it was like uh, PR stunts. Mm. So campaign that were a bit out of the box or whatever. Uh, then we would grow through partnerships. And then we would like reinforce all of that through digital mm. uh, acquisition. All right, cool. Uh, what kind of uh, PR stunts are you guys doing? Um, so all kind of PR stunts. Basically, we had like... Uh, I remember a dance-off. There was in, that was in Lebanon. Yeah, it was like yeah. an Uber Kareem dance-off. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, that was like at the end of uh, yeah. the whole journey. But... Um, um, we started from uh, in Saudi, for instance, where basically you could book a car with um, for for Eid, where we would deliver like uh, the, the meat. Oh, for for for, for, for iftar. For iftar. Okay. And uh, like we would we would do all sort of campaigns that were extremely locally incited. Okay, fine. Yeah, that's really interesting. So why why do you decide? What what was the need for you to start shifting out or go to move to the next thing? We just wanted something. Are you a person who always so, likes new new adventures kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, so basically, uh, and that's a very good question because back then it really felt like a breakup um, because when you join a team that early, you feel like a sense of ownership that you, you, you probably only have if you start your own business. Yeah. Um, you feel that sense of ownership because you feel part of something, part of a family, and you know that whatever out there else, it's not going to be that great, especially when you grow that fast and... You start having like all this like, you know, uh, like projectors on the company. Like we were completely under the radar before. Yeah. And then at some point we became like rock stars. So it felt really like that kind of hit, you know, it's like, wow. Like we're so leaving Kareem was very, very difficult. Um, and the reason I left Kareem is because like at some point I felt I didn't really belong there anymore. Mm. Um, you have phases, right? So you have builders and you have optimizers. Yeah. Builders are people like me, like, uh, um, and like the 15 or 20 people that first joined where we were super excited. We were just like eat, sleep, repeat Kareem. Yeah. Um, why? Because we simply love the process of building something that someday could go really, really far. Yeah. Then when actually, you know, the, the, the thing is like built and it's, and, and you're there, kind of loses the excitement. You, you kind of... Because it's about maintaining, not yeah, growing. Yeah, then mm. it's more about maintaining and then the relationship internally become much more... Um, sorry for my French. It's okay. <laughs> uh, like, uh, and then, you know, everything like, becomes from this really exciting, super fast-paced environment where everybody's like want to build something to a more political environment because that's how bigger organizations yeah. thrive. And that's how they survive. So it's like it's normal that it becomes a bit more political. And then at some point, it's just like, 
kind of just like lost interest. It was like, okay. you know, from one day where we're like, it felt like it felt like family, like being being at Karim, to another day where you don't recognize people in, in the corridors and you feel like, hey man, I think this is it. Yeah, fair enough. I'm I'm exactly the same. Not on the not on like the entrepreneur side within like the agency world. I kind of jumped around jobs a lot because I'm a person. I need new challenges. Yeah. Or I don't grow. Yeah. Exactly. I personally cannot grow if there's not something new. Even if there's something new that I have, no, I'd rather go to a job that I don't know what to do and then learn it than go to a job where I actually already know. Because then it's not fun. Yeah. I love I love that challenge where I get to go and I'll, I'll be crack like, stuff. Yeah. I, yeah. Exactly. Like I want to. Like for example, in my in my current position, I started off. I joined it. Coming from agency side, I, I moved to client side. We're supposed to be digital transformation. I've never done digital transformation. I've never heard of digital transformation. I've been done agencies. I've been working. I was a digital planner. I did digital. I was a digital supervisor. Whatever. Now I'm in a client side. Cool. All right, Hassam. We want to get a new CRM. Okay. I'll learn that. Okay, Hassam. All right. We, we got to clean data. I've never cleaned data before. Learn that. And then once you start doing that, I'm like, okay. Now, now this is fun because mm-hmm. I'm learning things I've never learned before, and I'm learning it as I go. I'm, I'm failing or succeeding, but I'm learning no matter what. And that's that's for me is something that I love. Yeah, especially if you're in an environment where you're allowed to fail without getting the blame or mm-hmm. without like without getting that negative pressure. Yeah, it's amazing and. To be honest, that's why, like, currently, I've um, uh, chosen entrepreneurship mm. over over going back to a job because yeah. it's exactly what you're saying. The only thing is that you pretty much you don't have anyone to report to when you are when you're screwing up, which is like even better because you feel more free to try stuff. Yeah. All right. So where was the next move after Kareem? Was so it after, to Washman? No, okay. after Kareem, I went to um, Southeast Asia. Okay, interesting. Yeah. You left the region. Uh, what's sorry? You left the region. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I left the region for a while. Um, I think I had like I think after Kareem was like like was pretty tough to be honest. Yeah. Uh, why? Because Kareem kind of like broke the employee and me kind of. Mm. Uh, the reason was is that um, after Kareem, it's like was really difficult to go back to a, any other job because yeah. as you were saying, imagine you go to a job where you start learning so much and that you're building like a unicorn, like we've built a tech unicorn. So yeah. it's like, it's like, man, this is never going to happen. Any, any, like it's very unlikely to happen unless you're probably sitting in the Silicon Valley and you're going into the small startup that uh, is going to go very yeah. big. But otherwise any other job would feel like kind of like a downgrade. Yeah. It's boring. It's like, it's boring. Like, yeah. what can I, what can I, what can I do more mm. than this? I, can I go back to corporate? Mm. I was like, yeah, I could, but, but probably it would last like three months, and then I'm gonna yeah. just start yawning or yeah. just start having like behaviors that you know are are not constructive. Mm. So, so I would say like corporate. I can go back to corporate. I can't really take like another startup job. If you see the landscape, especially when I left Karim was like 2016 or 2017, 16 or whatever, like the startup scene, especially even if you see it now in Dubai, like there are a lot of startups, but there was nothing that was as comparable or as exciting mm. that I could be like, whoa, okay, this is going to be the next thing or this is like really, really quirky, cool mm. startup that I could give a lot. So I was like, man, I'm lost. Mm. I'm like, what should I do? Uh, then the idea is like, can I like leave the re- region? Well, then back then my wife was like settled here and mm, she had her friends, she had her life. She had like her life, her friends, and then to go where and do what? So it was like a big question mark. It's kind of daunting because you're like, okay, now, and to get a job, you need to motivate it. You cannot fake motivation. Like no, at least personally, can't. I can't. You can't. Like you can fake it, but you can fake it for like three months. And then you're going to be... Very short term. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you're going to be in the same position or even worse because then either they're going to fire you or you're going to leave by yourself. But like... Yeah. Because if you go to a job and you're like not motivated, then... It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable unless, I don't know, you work for, I don't know, like a a company that can sustain an unmotivated and unproductive... And I become super unproductive when I'm unmotivated. So I'm exactly the same. I have to be passionate about what I do. Otherwise, I'm like, I'm not doing it. I I would think that most people who work here are not motivated. I from the conversations I have, yeah, and it really affects productivity. I I could sense it in me. The second I get bored, man, I just get so unproductive. I just don't want to be there. 
Yeah. I just, just want to be there. Yeah, I, I want to come late and finish early. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, it's like it's uh so yeah, and uh and the problem is like this is then my my personal problem is that it shows mm. because it's either I'm like fired up because I'm generally like super fired up about yeah. everything I do because I always go I always like lean towards passion i always yeah. like, over index passion so i'll always like be where it's like i'm super excited and i'm like talking fast and i'm like yeah, let's do it whatever yeah. <laughs> but so going from there like yeah uh-huh okay let's do this yeah sure let's do it like people can tell and, and yeah then, you know, it shows yeah it shows I'm so yeah so i i went to uh, chiang mai thailand because i read about this uh, group of people called digital nomads I've heard, okay i know digital nomads yeah uh, so digital nomads is like an organization between like an organization a loose network like they they uh, they consider themselves like a lean network yeah so basically they have like two main headquarters in Southeast Asia one in Bali and one in Chiang Mai and basically the way it works is that once you're part of the organization um, you get to meet like a lot of people that are like freelancers or that mm. are building businesses like there are people that are building like million dollar businesses without uh, office, without a physical team and yeah, without wouldn't investors. Wouldn't be surprised. And it's insane. Like yeah. literally because then they live off Thailand and it's like, it's super cheap. Of so course. they work on this kind of arbitrage and they, 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 they work as well like to build products or uh, mainly digital products that scale pretty fast. Like mm. for instance, there is, I met like the founder of Empire Flippers Man, these guys, they were on something. Like, this is a million-dollar business, like a multi-million-dollar business. It's basically, what they do is that, like in the old days, they would flip apartments. So, basically, okay. you buy an apartment that is kind of like, eh, mm. you just, like, fix it, up. fix it up, and then you resell it. They would do the same for e-commerce stores. Okay. So, let's say some tomorrow starts, like, doing a drop-shipping uh, e-commerce yeah. store. You're going to start selling, like, I don't know, uh, sneakers uh, in the U.S. So you do drop shipping model, etc. You build, like, a super kick-ass store on Shopify. You start driving traffic to it. You get some sales in. Everything is good. The only problem at some point you hit a cap mm. because your expertise is, like... Limited. It's limited. And at some point, either you lose interest or whatever. But at that point, you've invested, like, two, three years of your time... Uh, kind of a lot of money into courses, figuring out mm. money, whatever. You don't want to just like shut down the e-commerce. You want to sell it. Uh, then either you sell it to Shopify, but you pretty much like you don't you don't sell it for much. Yeah, you don't sell it for much, or you go into a flipper, and that's where Empire Flippers come in because they can say, "Hey, Usam, this Shopify store, according to our thing, uh, it can actually." be worth x or y amount mm. and um so do you want to sell it and i say yeah sure i'll sell it and um then what what empire flipper does they have like a team to optimize the store make it better and then after three or four months sell it back to another person but for 10x why oh, because wow. then you put like you put a team behind it that is yeah. like properly optimized with CRO, like with the web development, mm. with the driving traffic. And I was in charge back then to build, at the beginning I was in charge of building like, you know, a kind of the look and feel, the brand into the UX, UI. Uh, but then I went much, much deeper into learning how to drive growth. And that's when, that's where I started being exposed to, okay, how do you drive, how do you get like a website or something and how do you start driving growth to it? Mm. And that's where like, you know, all the, work that I've done at Karim started really like transforming. Yeah. Uh, that's where like, you know, all the digital expertise I, I acquired at Karim, all that growth mindset and really that, uh, that, um, that expertise about growth, about like high tempo testing and rapid experimentation, that's when it started to kick in. Mm. And at some point it became very good. Like I really felt I was good. Yeah. I was like, I pretty much, you know, could master the whole thing and, in after a few months, uh, the transition was actually very fast. And then what happened is that um, um, I was living the life, man, because basically what you can do with a, a digital nomad is that you could create what's called like a nomad hub mm. where basically you take your team. Let's say now I'm working here in, I don't know, Chiang Mai. A part of the network, there's Usam in Bali. There's another guy. Usam is part of like, he does web design. I do growth. Another one does CRO. Okay, it's like bringing together all these specialized teams. Kind teams. Of together. And then you can say, hey guys, let's build a Nomad Hub 
So let's go somewhere where we think we could really enjoy working and living. And so we went into this small village out of Thailand, like it was close to Myanmar, um, where basically there, there was not much going on. Like there was like just a very, very small party scene and we had like motorbikes and we had we were living the life. We were working very hard, but it was like a complete yeah. different way of working hard. So we would wake up in the morning, go to like very early, then go to Muay Thai classes, then work. Uh, then we would just like break, like, you know, for to, to have some food, whatever. Then we would go uh, to the beach for a while or like to mm. like, the, like in north of Thailand, there's no beach. But like there was like the um, like a river where we would just like go chill out. Mm. Um, then, yeah, and that was like the, the, the and then the, you work and then you work. And then <laughs> I, that was like the lifestyle, you know, sounds much better than what we're doing here. <laughs> Man, it was like much better than everything I've ever done. That's really interesting. Uh, before, because. You know, the people I met were, like, really amazing people. I met, for instance, this guy, uh, an American guy that got super frustrated of his corporate career in a consulting firm. Um, and it was go it was getting pretty big in that consulting firm. And then what happened is that um, he left everything to go to to try this digital nomad lifestyle. Like, he didn't really know what to do. He said, like, I'm just going to take some time off and, and do this. And... He was extremely good at strategy. Like yeah, really, that was at, his thing. Uh, yeah, it was extremely good. So yeah. basically, like he was the guy that would would be able to canalize all the energy of the team, put like together the team who does what. Like he was extremely like good at project work. manager almost. Um, like in in startup, we would say like he's the ops guy. Okay, fine. Okay. So he's the guy that you can really rely on. It's like okay, this is gonna be delivered by this. This is gonna be delivered. Mm. like everything is like super. Uh, streamlined and he was also the main contact with Empire Flipper so it's like very cool. cool yeah so what, what, where was the next move then then after I had like two friends um, I had like a, a good friend of mine called Jad um, he pretty much said like Nelio we're looking we need to grow uh, Washman okay. um, kind of like stuck on our growth trajectory and since you're doing this right now and you've done this at Karim and whatever we think uh, you'd be like, like, it'd be awesome if you could help us out. And uh, that's what I did. I just came back. Also, back then, I needed to come back because my wife started, like, really being very, very vocal about the fact that I was, like, you know, I was, I was, like... L living carefree life over there? Yeah, I was, like, <laughs> living a bit of a of a weird lifestyle there. Yeah. Um, you know. So, yeah, so Dubai made sense. Come back to Dubai then. I had to. Yeah. So, um basically i came back and uh and that's when um, my friend like my friend from washman said hey nelly like you got a growth come in and uh, help us out and at the beginning it was very interesting because i was like i was like kind of um like the the experience i had at karim and at digital nomads didn't translate immediately mm. so i had to like kind of like figure out a lot more and that's when like all this, like, you know, that's when I really became super, I went super, super deep about growth hacking mm. because, and that's actually where everything came together. And that's why my experience at Washman is like probably the best. Because you kind of brought in all those aspects that you learned across the years. Exactly. Mm. So there was like a branding aspect that came from L'Oreal. There was like this digital top of the funnel aspect mm. with like stunts and out of the box approach from, from Kareem. Kareem. Yeah. Then I had like this more growth aspect of like uh, from Empire Flipping, yeah. exactly. So like of uh, of Facebook advertising and how to build like you know, um, and then that's where it all came together. At the beginning, I was kind of like lost because it was my time to to kind of like mesh this all together. And then at some point, when it started hitting, mm. man, we did like a trajectory of growth around like six to seven x in less than fourteen months. Washman is the one that had those really funny yeah. ads. Yeah, that was that me. was you, right? Yeah. The guy with the wig. Yeah, that, that was, was that me. was really good. I re I enjoyed it from day one. Yeah, because I was really big into content, and I was I was literally telling my wife, I'm like, there's these guys that have been hitting. I'm getting, I'm getting their Instagram stories. And you guys did something really cool where you you kept retargeting, yeah. Which very few people do. Instead of serving me the same ad over and over again, I would get different sequential yeah. ads. Yeah, man. The one like, the one where you're driving on yeah. the road and then the door opens. And I was telling, I was I can't I remember this. I was telling my wife, I'm like, these guys are creating some of the best content 
in Dubai right now locally because I haven't seen content this good. The only, only thing close is like the stuff is going on in the States. I haven't seen content that good locally. Man, like... And, that's, and by the way, that's the reason I started using the service. Oh, wow. So I saw the ad so on Instagram. Works. 100%. I saw the ad on Instagram. I told my wife, this, is, this, this, this ad is awesome. They're, these guys are knowing what they're doing. I want to I work with these guys. So yeah. I, I, I started using the service oh, because wow. of the ads. Wow. That's, uh, that's good to hear. Yeah, that. Man. And man, I can tell you like... That was literally because at some point, I can tell you the story, the backstory of it. It's like we were kind of stuck with uh, with, our, with 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 acquisition. Mm. And it was like very difficult because we had these ads before the before the campaign of the Indian yeah. you know, like crazy wig. Um, we had this ad of like a lady holding uh, clean clothes and saying, wash everything or whatever, wash man. And they didn't work. Okay, so why would it? So at some point, I had this thing, this uh, this uh, Indian uh, war bonnet. Yeah. And I had it at home, and I realized it was the same color of Washman of the Washman logo. And I was like, man, I'm just gonna take my phone and I'm just gonna f- yeah. thing and and whatever you know, and whatever's gonna come, it's gonna come. And, yeah. And then I started I started doing. Hey guys, I don't have like my uh, all like my 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 socks thing or like you know whatever yeah. and just like use Washman, boom, and then that's how we started using them as like top of funnel advertising. And I use the same frameworks that they use in e-commerce, so that's why you see like different ads at mm. different stage of the funnel. So basically, like there's a there's a multi-step like funnel, um, uh, like um. um there's a way of structuring your ads sure. uh, where basically it's like called uh, tofu, uh, mofu, bofu. Mm. It's like tofu, it's like top of the oh, funnel, tofu. middle of the funnel, bottom of the funnel. And then for every step, I would change the message or I would change something um, just because I wanted the users to have like, and it was basically taken from e-commerce because yeah, that's what e-commerce sense. they yeah, yeah. You start, you start up a funnel, then you keep yeah. retargeting all the way down to a sale. Exactly. And then, yeah. you, then you, then you do retention uh, yeah. targeting. Yeah. And that's what like most of our advertisers here do really wrong yes. is that they don't build that storyline. No. They shoot for the conversion immediately. And that's where things get lost because then you, yeah, you they, kind they, of, they dis- yeah, because then you destroy your audiences uh, if they then don't convert, you pretty much exhaust the audiences on... Yeah. On, uh... Not just that. Even the content game they play here is a wrong content game. I love the fact you took your phone. Yeah. That, that for me, where will work better than any TVC. Oh, yeah. I hate TVCs with a passion. Like, I hate it. And not only do... First of all, I, I don't like TV in general. I'm, I don't like TV. Mm. I don't think TV is a useful format unless the day Netflix will start advertising, then do it on Netflix. But I think on doing on the standard NBCs or whatever, I don't think it works. It's personally me. Um, because as a consumer, I've never converted because of a TV ad. Ever. Yeah. Ever. My history of my life, I've never converted because of a TV ad. The biggest problem for me is where a company, a brand will take the TVC and then put it on. And just put it on digital. Oh like, are you serious? God. You have a format yeah. that gives you insights to your customer. That you don't have on TV because what we're gonna do on TV Nielsen studies or or Ipsos studies yeah okay, okay whatever right you have actual a prop you have analytics but do people still do this yes oh wow because nothing's yeah changed. that was like a conversation we're stuck yeah yeah it was it, interesting it, 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 nothing's changed oh okay. yeah and um and the problem is then you'll take the CVC and then you'll put it on Facebook and you put it, and then you oh great I got sixteen percent VTR I'm like, listen it sucks. What you're doing is wrong and people are not converting the way you want them to convert and it's just it's just not right and that just drives me absolutely crazy i think you can get so much more engagement so much more awareness so much more brand recognition if you literally would just pick up your phone and record yeah and that's that's exactly what brought washman from uh, x to y like that's yeah. how we grew by seven x but seven ab- x. after, after when, when did you leave when you left washman i left it? almost a year ago uh because I don't, I don't see those ads anymore yeah, <laughs> I think I don't know. Probably they stopped or whatever. But like, I don't uh, see any ads from Watchmen. These yeah, days. yeah, yeah. I don't know why. What's going on? I okay. don't know. I, th- I think maybe they're focusing more on retention. Okay, fine, um, fair enough. Uh, so what I like. So after, why did you leave again? It was also like okay, now I've I've helped it grow. I need something. Yeah, different. exactly. So then at some point, a Watchmen, like you know what happened is that mm, again I was getting kind of like deflated because we've built this. It was really cool, but then okay, what's next? Mm. So I was getting kind of like, uh, not bored, but you know, like, okay, you know, that's pretty much done. Yeah. The, the, now the you're exciting, in the optimization stage. Yeah. Then we went into optimization stage and, um, and yeah, so it became like, um, 
it became like less interesting. So at some point I said, Hey guys, in the end, you know, like that's pretty much it. I mean, sure. we, we came to an agreement where I was like, and I was like f- dreaming, like daydreaming about like, man, now what's next now with yeah. this power that I have, I felt after Watchmen that I was ready to have like a, that I was harnessing like a superpower. Mm. I can do whatever I want. If tomorrow I'm going to launch my pair of like sneakers or sunglasses or whatever, I have the power to reach customers in a way that nobody can. Yeah. And that's when I said like, uh-huh. And uh, so I started first like um, pretty much helping. It actually came very natural. So at some point I said like, should I look for another job? I was like um, in process to like to talk to like in talks with Facebook, etc. Because of the work I've done with them. Um because Facebook did actually a case study on Washman mm. because it was like, yeah, I remember that. and what happened is that at some point, like, you know, I was talking to them. I was like, do I really like, I think Facebook is really cool if you go to Dublin or Menlo park or like London, but here in Dubai, I felt it was, was still interesting, of course, but, um, you know, I was like, yeah, it's not for you. Trust me. You'll end up doing client servicing. Yeah. Working on a region, probably the Middle East. Even if you're based on Ireland, I have friends out there. Yeah. They work for Middle East. Your client servicing. And you was so interesting when we talk about Facebook and Google is when I first started media as as a junior, right? And I'm like, okay, you th- you look at these companies almost in, in a godlike fashion, yeah. right? These guys know everything. They do everything. But once you start learning and working with them, you start to realize they don't know anything. You start working. Th- th- I'm going to tell you from my yeah. perspective. I, I, yeah. I thought, okay, cool. I have a problem on Facebook. This this genius company is going to solve it for me. And I go talk to the account managers. They don't know anything. They're just the same as, I realize they're the exact same as me. They're guys sitting behind a computer, trying to get through the day, and they're limited with their knowledge. And usually the answer always goes is, I'll pass this on to the engineering team. Yeah, That's always the standard answer I get from Facebook. So I realize, you know what, maybe they're not as 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 all-knowing as we think they yeah, are. Yeah, so uh, I had a, like a very different experience mm. because I used to work with Munir Sheikh from uh, from Dublin. And man, like this guy like really brought, help us uh, bring our game to the next mm. level. And the reason he did this is like because he was very passionate like, about the company and it was like super cool working together because <coughs> actually yeah. he like his insights were very, very... So uh, there's that really funny story. So basically what happens is that when I first joined Washman, mm. like I remember uh, uh, Rami, <coughs> uh, Rami that he was like handling growth. It's like, oh no, we're gonna stop Facebook. It doesn't work. Oh, so, 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 yeah. so and uh, our our growth channel is mainly uh, Google because that's where people like search laundry, etc. Yeah, and uh, basically, he was talking to another account manager, and he like Rami is a very like a very vocal character, and whenever he hears bull. Mm. He's like really gonna like he's gonna jump onto you. And it was so funny because in front of me, probably like one of the first days, he actually fired the account manager of Facebook. I was like, Rami, seriously? I was like, yeah, these like this it was a lady, like this lady doesn't understand nothing about this and that. Because yeah. it's exactly what you were saying. Some of them, they're yeah. like kind of clueless and just like send you to the engineer team. So this lady that actually probably was very nice and whatever is like it's like yeah, she didn't understand, so I fired her. And Facebook, we're done. And then at some point, we had like mm. Munir that was new to the job, and he was like, uh, "Hi guys, uh, my name is Munir. I'm new, etc." And uh, and Ryan was like, "Yeah, yeah, forget about Facebook. Like we're done with them." Mm. And then I said, "Like let's give him a shot. Like this guy seems yeah. pretty motivated." And that's how like the conversation started. And uh, actually, it was very very good because uh, with Munir, like we build this partnership. Mm. Um, that was went really far. Like uh, we were the creative heads, and he was actually optimizing things, like helping us optimize. And he would like give us a lot of insights that we couldn't uh, probably get from ourselves. Mm. And um, so yeah. So and the good thing about like him, what I felt him specifically, but I think like a good account manager, that's what they're supposed to do. Is like they've got visibility from like a bird eye view. Mm. And they see different practices in different industries and across different markets across MENA. So they know what scales, what doesn't scale, what it looks like an account well-structured, what looks like an account that is not well-structured, what the video formats that work, the video format that doesn't work and whatnot. Mm. And um, uh, this is something this is so funny you said this because it really resonates with me. When you go into the agency world yeah, 
it's kind of like a a undisclosed thing where you kind of think Facebook doesn't work. And you kind of should put all... I'm serious. Yeah. You should kind of push all your money towards Google, specifically programmatic. Yeah. Oh, Obviously, because oh that is where the arbitrage is, right? Yeah. So that's where agencies make a ton of money. Then, as I'm a, I'm a person, I love to grow and learn on my own. I hate I hate, I hate learning from someone else. I kind of I, I, it's good to learn from someone else, but I'm a person I love just to sit down and read and learn as much as I can about a topic. I started learning, which I realized none of my colleagues did. I, mm. I felt like I was always the outlier. I would actually go and sit down with the programmatic trading desk. I would go sit with the social guys and and try to learn things. And I started comparing purely because I like math, so I started comparing just CPM rates and then your your cost of reach. If you take that alone. Social Facebook Instagram beats out Google a hundred percent of the time. Oh yeah. In terms of in terms of cost effectiveness, you can and, and the fact is that you're kind of taught that Google is the way to go for acquisition. I'm like, no, no, I don't agree with this at all. Your cost of your CP, even if you just take pure math, Facebook and Instagram will be every time. And if you start realizing this now, brands are slowly realizing this. The the amount of Instagram ads I've been seeing lately yeah. has increased significantly in the last year. Mm. Just a year alone, because I think people are starting to realize that Google is not the way to go anymore. I mean, it's, it's, it's good to have. But I don't think it's the hundred percent go uh, all in kind of thing. I mean, I agree to a certain extent, um, because then it all depends on your industry. So there are some industries that are marketing push, and some industries that sure. are marketing pull. Sure. So if your product, for instance, for e-commerce, whenever I have like e-commerce stores or whatever to manage for clients, I always recommend them to start from Google. Mm -hmm. Why? Because you have like, you start to capture users and customers in the middle of the funnel where basically sure. there's already like a purchase intent, but I don't sure. use programmatic though. No, programmatic no. I would just use it mainly like... I would use search. Yeah, search. Uh, otherwise, GDN, I would just use it for retargeting a little bit, but I then would retarget on Facebook or mm. Instagram. The reason why, it's because like if you're already interested on something, like Google will capture that. Whereas Facebook... Fair you pretty much like target someone mm. that is doing completely other stuff is like probably lying on the couch on a it's more upper funnel and it's like super up the funnel and then you need much more effort sure. to convert them but for me is this is it. i go i go i've been i've been analyzing my thought process on gdn lately i'd like gdn in one kind of targeting only because the, the google algorithm isn't that great i would only go contextual okay yeah I would go 100% contextual on GDN with limited budget on search. Because I'd probably go branded keywords, branded keywords with some generic, and then I would go 50% on social because your social will drive your your keyword yeah. search most of the yeah, time. Yeah. When I see an ad on Facebook, I like. I usually go Google it. Yeah, and that's why like I was never really big on programmatic or GDN. It's simply because according then to my really like uh, experience. What I really felt is that um, it was like a bot land. Like you get like yeah. a lot of Fake traffic news. and whatever. And then in the end, it doesn't convert into sales. So That's I was fine. like, thing. I'm just going to focus on like pure things, simplify. So search mm. and Facebook, Facebook or, yeah. or, or Instagram. The problem with programmatic, especially if you di deep dive into it, like I have in the, for the last two years, it's been like my obsession. I think programmatic is the most misused tool in the digital world today, and it drives me crazy. We use it to buy remnant inventory. We use it to arbitrage. If you actually use it properly, it's so effective. But I've, yet to, I've yet to see a properly good use case of programmatic yeah, in region, on all the accounts I work on because agencies one are too focused on arbitrage because they're churning out so much money yeah, of course. so much money yeah. and most of the time you, you and then the brands who, I've yet to meet a brand that's gone in-house because it's expensive if you want to do programming you got to spend like I don't know $50,000 yeah. some ridiculous amount of money that maybe startups can't afford but I think if used correctly I think programmatic is super effective there's an yeah, alcohol think... company in, in, in the Europe AVB whatever they're called they went in-house programmatic. They've saved, according to them, they saved $10 million in the first year. Wow. $10 million in the first year. Yeah, that's, uh... and, and the returns has been amazing. But you need, you need a team. You need proper people to understand what they're doing. And they're going to do it right without the thought of arbitrage as a priority. And I think then that's when you should go programmatic. Yeah. Until then, for, until then you're, you're just going to, especially when you're dealing with an agency, you're wasting so much money. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. But it's never really big on programmatic. I think like Creteo is doing like... Uh, 
like a good job on that on that the trading desk for me it's called the trading desk it's a very strong i think it's, yeah. i think it's a rising programmatic desk right now i've been looking at them for a while because mm -hmm. they focus a lot on first party data they look they focus a lot on second party data more than third party which i kind of like what they're doing so uh, for uh -huh. me is i think that's a trading desk i would i would what's called look into amazon just oh has a, just started advertising the region they have their own DSP and they have their own ad server. They bought Seismix ad server, which is so smart. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, let's, sorry about that tangent. Let's get into what are you working on these days? What's, 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 kind, of, what's kind of thing that's keeping you going, projects, so stuff like right that? Now, right now, I'm, uh, I'm pretty much focusing on two things. I'm, I'm, getting, uh, I'm trying to really limit the amounts of clients I'm following. So, I'm limiting the amounts of clients. So, you're not dedicated to one client? So no, no, you're, no, no. You're like consulting almost? Yeah, I'm okay. consulting and I do consulting like max to three clients. So I mm. kind of raised the tickets um, like just because I wanted to have like less but better mm. than rather than like a lot of small ones. And then I'm focusing on building like the first academy in, uh, in Dubai uh, related to growth. It's called Urban Monks. Okay, fine. And Wait, is that live or is it going live soon? Yeah, it just went live like last week. Um, there's a lot that we still need to figure out. I just like there's just this intern that uh, it's just me and an intern, uh, actually two interns. Mm. Uh, one from Oxford University. He really liked the what like the whole concept of growth. He wanted to learn growth hacking. So he said like, Hey man, can I just join? I was like, Why not? I did like, Why not? I was like, So. He went from the UK here uh, to help me build that and to launch that. And then um, I have like a designer on board and a videographer. Okay. And uh, and yeah. That, Freelance? Uh, no, I mean. Full time? Yeah, full time. Okay. And, um, and now like what I'm really excited about is that I'm going to start driving these workshops and to try to democratize as much as possible, like the growth process mm. and uh, how you, how do you growth hack and what is growth hacking? What is press? Like what is P what is like, press and pr hacking what is mm. uh narrow psyops marketing what is like behavioral marketing like all of like these really um like how do you build like a well-rounded t-shaped market here uh in the region i think it's like desperately needed especially if you're like yeah. an entrepreneur or you're like a marketeer maybe like yourself you know that want to learn more stuff and that does not have access to all this content unless you go online and you start like you know scavenge all this content which takes a lot of time because you need to then cut through the bs and mm. uh, and find the right sources that's the problem and then you need to have time to sit down whereas if you do it like in a workshop then you benefit from like yeah. a community and then that's how you grow it's like so i compare it a lot like learning growth hacking like martial arts mm. you can you cannot like really learn martial arts on youtube videos like you can no, no. You can get like a sense of it and understand like, but you can, but then you need the dojo or, and that's what I'm trying to build. I'm Very building cool. like a dojo of growth, Very hacking cool. or growth. Market. That's awesome, man. Let's wrap this up. Cause I think you have a class today or something. You, yeah. You, I'm starting actually my first workshop today. Oh, fantastic. So we don't want to yeah. take your time. Um, where can people reach out to you? Where can they find you? Where can they get in touch with, uh, with urban monks? monks uh, right? Yeah. Urban monks. So, um, we have a website up and running called uh, urbanmonks.io. Okay. Um, and I'm pretty big on LinkedIn yes, lately. That's where we, that's where yeah. you got in touch. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm always connected there Nelio Leone and, uh, uh, and yeah, it's like, um, yeah, just that's the, do you create a lot of content for your personal brand? Because you have a personal brand. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to be to to go much deeper into personal brand, but I try not to overdo it because then you, I don't want to become like those kind of influencers that, sure. or like you know that you see these kind of people that are obsessed about getting the attention, mm. which is something that I don't necessarily enjoy. Um, so I try to do it a bit, but I don't really overdo it. Um, you should, guys, you guys should make an Urban Monks podcast. Oh yeah, true. We talked I, about that. Yeah, I think that's something you guys should do. We should do it together. Do. I'm totally in. We'll yeah, talk about I'm, it offline. Yeah. But I think you guys should, because I, I, I like the way you think. It resonates with me a lot, because I'm very similar, and I think there's a lot of people like that here. What I realize in the region is there's a lot of, there's, I don't want to use this word wrong. There's talent. There's limited talent, but there's still talent. But those guys who are talented, like myself, I'd like to think I'm talented. I might not. You guys can disagree. It's fine. I'd like to think I'm talented. So let's say, let's say there's, a, there's a group of small people that think they're talented in, in, in Dubai today. Sadly for people like us, 
it's hard to find a place where we belong. That's why you see a lot of the people you see that jump around a lot. Like my, I jump around a lot. Yeah, I get and, you. And I don't think there's a place for that or a community for that. And I think, no. and I think that's the problem. So I really like what you're doing. So guys, uh, definitely hit them up. Check out Urban Monks. We're going to be, uh, hopefully today, your class will go awesome. Uh, let me know how it goes. Yep, I will. And um, so check them out. Uh, Nelio Leon on, on LinkedIn. That's where that's where we got in touch. Super cool journey. Love the stuff you worked on. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, Likewise. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Trying. Working hard. Grinding. Grinding yeah. a lot. Um, so guys, please reach out to him. Check out Urban Monks. If you guys want to do, if you guys want to get in touch for your business, do that. If you guys want to get in touch on a personal level, do that as well. I do probably see you coming, uh, doing another podcast just because this was so much fun and hopefully one that we have more time. My pleasure. So guys, uh, make sure you guys hit him up. For me, uh, Instagram and Twitter is Digital Hoos. Uh, podcast is Let's Take This Online. We are everywhere, 10 plus sites. We are on Rami as well. Make sure to subscribe, drop some feedback. So far, we're getting some feedback, which is really good. Uh, so far, five stars. Wow. That, that's not me. I didn't fill that out. Hopefully, it's not just like my family did it. <laughs> hopefully, I get some real feedback. Um, so keep guys doing that and uh, yeah that's basically it guys so this is let's take this online and we are out